Welcome to season two of the Revenue Marketing Report powered by Caliber Mind. Our goal on the RMR is to help marketers move from subject matter experts to strategic business partners. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I'm thrilled to introduce Tim Fitzpatrick. Tim, tell us about yourself. Thanks for having me, Kamala. I appreciate it. I'll try and give you the, the, the short story. So I'm a, a marketer and marketing coach, consultant. My initial foray into entrepreneurship was... Right after I got out of college, I ended up getting involved in a wholesale distribution company. My dad had founded the company a couple of years before. There were no full-time employees. I had no intention of getting into that long-term. It was meant to be a you know a middle ground where I could figure out what the hell I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And uh, three months in, I got hooked. And, <laughs> and that was it. So I, I managed that company on a day-to-day basis for nine years. We grew 60% a year until we sold in 2005. Nice. After that, I worked for the company for another three years. Then I moved with the company to Denver. So I was born and raised in Northern California. I'm still in the Denver area now, but this was in 2008, 2009 timeframe. We, when we sold, we got bought by a public company and we all know what happened in 2008. Mm -hmm. Uh, They started freaking out, started making changes that made balance sheets look better in the short term, but were mm-hmm. probably very detrimental in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I got laid off in 2009. So after that, I, I was fortunate to be in a position where, I, you know, I wasn't worried about making my mortgage payment. And I just said, what am, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I'd always been interested in real estate. So I got involved in residential real estate. I did not like that. It was not for me. I learned a ton doing it. And I put myself outside my comfort zone every day, which was very good for me. But after about three years, I was like, I got to shift gears and do something different because this is I'm waking up like I don't want to go to work. Yeah. And if you're running, if you're running your own business, that's the absolute last thing you should be doing. So that's when I decided to to shift gears. I got involved in in marketing, started my company, Rialto Marketing. And, you know, I've had multiple shifts within that business but I'm still in marketing. I love it. It's dynamic. It's changing. It keeps me on my toes all the time. And so that's, that's my story in a nutshell. I'm really excited about today's conversation because it touches on a topic that I think everyone, as you said, needs to work on, and that's internal communication. So I think marketers excel at empathizing with uh, potential customers and really trying to understand the pain points that we're trying to solve. But when it comes to communicating internally, oftentimes we forget about certain people or we're not as diligent or disciplined about doing that on a regular basis. Would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Whether it's whether it's a small company or a large company. Yep. You know, a lot of what I do is on the smaller company side. What we're going to dig into today, I think, is you know, a lot larger companies, but the problems are still the same. I just think the the problems, frankly, become esca- much worse yeah. with a larger company because there's so many more moving pieces. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've seen it. So in your experience, uh, you, you really focus in on the fundamentals. And in your experience, is marketing operations usually included in those like foundational conversations? Not typically. You know, they I think they should be, but I think it's it's frankly, I think there's a lot of different marketing but sales too. Yeah. Um I think marketing and sales can become very disconnected at times. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy for that to happen 
But if we're going to be successful, they really, we all need to be on the same page and we all need to be talking. So if we're not including everybody like marketing operations or sales into these strategic marketing conversations in the direction that we want to go, I, we're not getting, we're only getting a small piece, part of the puzzle, right? We're not getting all the pieces we need to really create a, a, a cohesive and a solid strategy. Totally agree. And I think if there could be one takeaway for management specifically, it would be how somebody approaches or solves a problem when they understand the context may be yeah. completely different than just completing a task. Well, I was just going to say, it. this kind of reminds me, somebody once told me there, when, from an operational standpoint, you know, when you're thinking about making a decision as an executive for your business, the first person you need to bring into that decision is the person that it's going to directly impact day in, day out. Yeah. And as executives, I think it's so easy for us to forget that, but we really need to bring them in, not, not only just so that we make a strong decision, but also we, so that we have their buy-in. I mean, like, in a smaller company, if I'm ordering a copier, and I, I did this all the time when I was in my distribution business, man, I'm not using the copier all the day, all time. There's plenty of other people that are using it day in, day out. I need to get them involved. Hey, what's, what are the problems with our current copier? Yeah. What do we need? Uh, guide me through this process. You're the one who, I need to make the final decision, but I need your input in order to make a good decision. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I think marketing operations tends to get really frustrated that everything's an emergency because they tend to be looped in <laughs> at the end. And then they feel like they're always fixing what's perceived as mistakes they've made because they haven't been told the full story. So that's from the manager standpoint. If I could get anything across to marketing operations professionals, it's that you really have to take the time or make the person you're talking to take the time to answer some questions. And sometimes people may give some attitude and get frustrated that they're being slowed down. And I do air quotes because I've heard that a lot. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think it would be a really good conversation for you and I to have, Tim. Like, what should I be asking you to make sure that I'm getting the fundamentals I need to do this, whatever you're asking for correctly? Yeah, Kimmel, I think you, you hit on a really strong point here. Marketing operations at the time may be a little hesitant to ask the questions that they feel they need to make. And when when that happens and there's a problem, they get blamed, right? Yeah. And they they shouldn't be, but they do, right? They're yep. like the scapegoat. So the way I look at it is if I was in a marketing operations position, I would want to be asking these questions, one, so that I could do a better job and be more effective, but two, just head some of these things off at the pass, mm -hmm. you know? And if the executives that you're working for care, they will take the time, especially when you explain, it's like, look, I can't be as effective as I possibly can without understanding some of the higher level strategy that what I'm doing impacts. So some of the things that come to mind from me, and this obviously is going to depend on, you know, the specific campaign or project that you're working on, but let's just take it from a high level standpoint at first. I want to understand like one, who the 
what's target market? Who are the ideal clients that we intend to attract with this? Super important. I mean, everything in my mind, everything from a marketing standpoint starts with your target market and your ideal clients. Uh, you can't create messaging. You can't figure out where you need to be to get in front of the people you intend to attract until you first know who the heck they are. Mm -hmm. So I would want to know that first and foremost. Mm -hmm. I would want to dig into, you know, what are what are the goals for this particular project? What's what does success look like? Like, if we reach this point, are you are you going to be happy or are you not going to be happy? You know, so we need to understand <laughs> if we want to try and keep people happy. What is the goal? What is the objective? What's the plan? What's the overall plan? Like, why are we doing this specific project? Like, what does this specific project or or channel? How does that support the overall plan? Mm -hmm. Right. Really important. Again, we're just trying to put all the pieces together so that we can figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I would also want to know and dig into, okay, well, now that I know all this information, what are the important metrics for us to actually track to determine whether this is successful or not? Yep. You know, I think it's very easy with marketing. There's so many different metrics. I mean, my God, it's mind boggling. You know, and look, I was a math major. I can get analytical. I love the numbers. But man, a lot of the numbers don't, they don't really mean a whole lot unless mm -hmm. they are transferring to you know, new customers, you know, leads that turn into customers. That's really what it all boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. So what metrics are we going to track that are the important ones that are going to help us guide our decision-making process? Yeah. Because what I run into a lot is people have been investing in marketing and they're like, well, we're doing all this stuff, but we don't really know what's working mm -hmm. and what's not. And in my mind, the reason that happens is because you're not tracking, you're not tracking anything at all, or you're not tracking the right metrics. Right. That was a long way of going around answering your question. No, that's great. Because I was thinking of, I worked with some mad scientist marketers that would do <laughs> <laughs> like build these very complex multi-channels. What I would get as an ask is I need you to create these five campaigns. And it was up to me to really push them on, okay, who's the audience? And then I had to ask who created it just to make sure it, like different people were at different levels of diligence about cleaning up their lists and making sure they were reaching out to the right people. Yeah. And then it turned into a coaching conversation because I've been at this long enough, but eventually this will happen to most marketing operations people where you talk to them and, and you try to get to what's the sequence of events in a multi-channel campaign that you're hoping for when like if I just set up a direct mail campaign, I won't know that when somebody scans this QBR code, it's going to send a message and I need to automatically mail something to them. Like I would never know that without asking all of those questions. Another point is talk to them about when they want sales looped in and what activities the threshold, because sometimes that will differ from your traditional MQL definition and what you've got automated in your system. Yep. And sometimes they don't have realistic expectations of where that should be. And then it requires more coaching. An example would be, I want to upload this list to get the initial email. Sales is going to be calling all of them to make sure that they click on the thing or scan the QBR or QR code so that they 
the, the sales team isn't probably going to do that. So when should we really get them involved? What's considered a hand raise? What activity yeah. signals that they're really interested? It's probably not that something's mailed to them. Do they request a demo? Like what's the ideal workflow? Yeah, that's a really key point is one determining what certain things mean, right? Like mm -hmm. a lead for one company may be totally different than a lead for, an, for another. Yes, so we usually. need to really, we need to define what that threshold is that a lead needs to meet mm -hmm. before they get handed. You're also touching too on just understanding that the customer journey, like what's the process that they're going to go through and to, to be an effective marketing operations person, you have to understand what that journey is mm -hmm. and what, what, cause you know, and our, what's our entry level offer? What's the offer from there? Like what are the various step up offers? You have to understand all of that in order to do your job effectively. Yeah. Without it, you're, you're kind of flying blind on some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then digging into each component, there's going to be different success metrics for each piece of that multi-touch or multi-channel campaign. Yeah. You want to know if your email was being opened and received by enough people and clicked on. If it wasn't, you might have to send another one with a different subject line or a different CTA. There's things you need to check along the way. Ultimately, what your boss is probably going to care about is whether or not the initiative was successful, meaning leads to customers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the tacticians usually need a little spoon feeding to know where to look to see whether or not each part is operating as expected, especially when you're a mad scientist and it's like a mousetrap sequence. So <laughs> if we can touch on this, I think yeah. this will really benefit. It is very easy for us to overcomplicate things. It's much yes. more difficult to boil things down into their simplest form. Mm -hmm. When we create these, you know, these long sequences, these different paths if they do this, then this is what happens. But if they don't do this, they go here. Yeah. The more complex we make it, the harder it is to diagnose where the issues are. Yep. And frankly, it makes it harder to implement and it makes it much harder to implement it effectively. So yes. if we're, if, if I'm in marketing operations, I'm being told, Hey, this is, this is the path and this is what we want to do. I'm going to be looking for every way that I can make this as simple as possible. Is this step absolutely necessary? Why is it, why do you feel it's necessary? Because they're going to want the information. Management is going to want the information. If you can't give them the information because it's so damn complex, it's making you look bad and it's not, it's not serving anybody. Mm -hmm. So I would always default to simple rather than complex. Some of the most successful people I have seen in marketing keep things incredibly simple. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And in the case of mad science stuff, usually they're trying to trying out an ABM play for the first time or something <laughs> along those lines. And those of us who've been doing this long enough and, and have seen what works and what doesn't can offer some coaching around how many accounts should really be considered during an ABM campaign. It's not 250. Uh, <laughs> like, do we start with a LinkedIn sequence that targets the companies and personas? And then is this funneled content serve up or yeah. do we do multi-channel? And then, you know, if you're having problems, but if things don't look right and you're talking about it with the person and they're really resistant to any feedback, 
sometimes it's okay to loop in the manager, but just be careful about how you do what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to be careful about ruffling some feathers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's best to just let people run with it and then decide what metrics need to be tracked and then use the data to try to point them in another direction. Yep. We talked a little bit about the questions we should be asking. We talked about keeping it simple. And then that brings up one of my favorite topics, which is nailing the basics. So a big basic that you mentioned that often gets missed is defining what success looks like. How can operations professionals help motivate people on their team to care about defining that success metric? Oh boy. I don't know if we can necessarily motivate anyone, but I yeah. think it's, I think we need to communicate why we're asking for certain things. The importance of like, I'm not asking you to do this just because I want to create busy work. I'm asking about this because I want this to be successful. Yep. And I think, I mean, we all, if we're working for a company, you know, we, and part of a team, we want to be successful. I think sometimes we just need to communicate that because look, when, when I was in distribution, when I was the first full-time employee, I had visibility to everything. Mm -hmm. As we grew, my visibility to certain things became less and less and less. And so as executives, we don't, we don't have visibility to everything. We need to, mm -hmm. we need to rely on those people that have their feet on the street or a better pulse on what's happening. So we have to be open to that. And, and as those people that we that do have their feet on the street, we need to communicate the importance of it, you know, because sometimes like, I don't know. And when somebody brings it up, it's like, Oh my gosh, thank you. I thought it was this way. The last time I saw this, it was this way. Now you're telling mm -hmm. me it's different. I appreciate that because that information now is something that we can use to direct our strategy in the right direction and make sure that it's on point. So I think it's really about just making your voice heard and communicating to people why you're asking certain yes. things. Yeah, that is the absolute kicker. And that's where I, I would head myself is really emphasizing or explaining the why behind it, giving people more context to understand why you need those facts. So somebody in operations towards the end of the year, I'm going to be working on the budget. And part of that is evaluating what's effective, what isn't. And that means we have to have all those measurements in place yes. so that we're making the right decisions. So explaining that to somebody in, let's say, digital marketing, we're going to be really looking closely at paid advertising. It's one of the bigger buckets of our budget. Yeah. And we need to be able to measure impact in order to argue for either an increased flat or maybe a slight decrease. And then you say the word decrease and they're all in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think you, as marketing operations people, I don't think we should be afraid to voice what we need to. I mean, mm -hmm. if anything's going to happen, you need to let people know why. Maybe you you may not be able to impact the actual decision, right? The end decision is may not be up to you. Yeah. But I don't think you're doing your job if you don't voice your concerns or just share the information that the entire team needs to make decisions. If you put it out there and they make a decision despite the information that you put out, well, 
that yep. you, you can't do anything about that. Yeah. I always used to joke, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't stop it from drowning itself. It's yeah. just, it's going to do what it's going to do. <laughs> That's it. But at least you can say, Hey, I told you about X. Here was why, here was why we, I brought it up. You guys made the decision to go down this path. That's that's okay. It wasn't my decision to make, mm -hmm. you know, I was just simply trying to communicate the information I'm aware of that I think is going to be valuable for you to make the best decision to move forward. Let's talk about the decision to go a different way, make a different decision. When people decide not to do the basics and define success, how does that ultimately impact them potentially in their career? Overall, Mm -hmm. When we skip the basics, we waste time and money. Yeah, that's the bottom line. I mean, when we skip those basics, we're we're going to spend money on stuff that's not going to work. We may not know why. We waste time going down those paths when maybe we shouldn't have gone down those paths. So, the overarching consequence is exactly that: wasting time and wasting money. Now, from marketing operations person standpoint, you know this touches on your earlier point, Kamala, if I'm getting blamed for some of the things that are happening, that's a problem for me in my career, right? Yep. <laughs> so honestly, I think there's a far greater risk not voicing your concerns or talking about the information that you have than there is keeping your mouth shut. Oh, absolutely. You know, so if you keep your mouth shut, maybe it's easy at the time, but it's going to come back on you if something you're working on doesn't this people don't see it as being successful and they, and you're the one that gets blamed for it, even if it's not your fault. Yeah. And I've, I've seen this play out where there's been a change in upper marketing management. The new marketing manager doesn't really value data and it has managed by gut as an operations for yeah you were laughing because that doesn't really work anymore because no. executives have no no tolerance for the inability to uh to rely on analytics so what i've seen happen a lot is the marketing operations person voices a bunch of different factors they have the infrastructure in place they're trying to raise report items through qbrs or what other cadence they have and then management changes and that operations professional usually stays put so I don't think it goes unnoticed when people try their best and voice what they can. Yeah. I think you're going to get recognized for having that structure in place. Well, if you're tracking the right metrics, I, I'm biased again because <laughs> I'm a math person, but uh, the metrics typically don't lead you astray. I mean, they are what they are. I mean, I guess, you know, you certainly people we've seen... I, I would say with the pandemic, you know, sometimes metrics, depending on how they're being tried, the data is only as good as the input, but you got to rely on metrics to, to make certain decisions. And when it comes to marketing, I think there are people that are very good and they've got a good gut, but man, things are changing all the time. And so mm -hmm. we really, we need to outline those metrics that we're going to track that are going to help inform our decisions. Otherwise, we're just guessing. We're throwing spaghetti up against a wall, hoping something's going to stick. And Absolutely. that's not a good long-term strategy. Yeah. Instinct and creativity are super important in marketing, but you have to define success first and have the measurements in place to prove whether or not you should do it again. 
Yeah. That's the thing. Like at the moment when you're deciding whether or not to do it again, that's that's what makes or breaks a modern day marketer, I think. I totally agree. The numbers are going to tell you whether it's working or not. Yeah, exactly. You have to have them. So yeah. Tim, thank you so much. Where can people find you online to network? Oh gosh, the best place is our website, which is rialtomarketing.com. That's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. If somebody wants to connect with me personally, best place is LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, it's linkedin.com forward slash in and then forward slash Tim P as in Paul Fitzpatrick. Wonderful. So for those of you listening who enjoy the show, please tell two friends, rate and subscribe because it really does make a difference in our rankings and whether or not people know we exist. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibermind.com. 